Hi, I'm Miss Tyler, and welcome to another episode of Context for Kids, where I teach you guys stuff most adults don't even know. If this is your first time hearing, or if you have missed anything, you can find all the episodes archived at contextforkids.podbean.com, which has them downloadable, or at contextforkids.com, where I have transcripts for readers or on my Context for Kids YouTube channel. Parents, all scripture this week comes from the MTV, the Miss Tyler version, which is the Christian Standard Bible modified a bit to make it easier for kids to understand the content and the context. And we're at the end of um, chapter 12 today. When Abram entered Egypt to escape the famine in Canaan, the Egyptians saw that Sarai was very beautiful. Pharaoh's officials saw her and told Pharaoh how amazing she was. And so Sarai was taken away to Pharaoh's household. Thinking that she was unmarried and that Abram was her brother, Pharaoh treated Abram well because of her, and he gave Abram flocks and herds, male and female donkeys, male and female slaves, and camels. But the Lord struck Pharaoh and his household with terrible plagues because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh sent for Abram and said, What have you done to me? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say, Oh, she's my sister, so that I took her as my wife? Now, here's your wife. Take her and get out of Egypt. Then Pharaoh gave his men orders about Abram so they would leave him alone. And they sent him away with his wife and everything he came to Egypt with, as well as everything the Pharaoh had given him. Well, this was a scary time for Sarai, Abram's wife. Let's just think about what this was like for her, even though the Bible doesn't say anything about how she felt. Last week, we saw that Abram had asked her to pretend like she was not his wife, but just his sister. Abram was terrified that when they saw her, they would want to marry her so bad that they would just kill him and take her. He had this idea that turned out to be true, that if they wanted her for a wife that badly, that they'd be able to take her anyway. So there was no need for him to die, and plus, they would pay him a big bride price for her. That's how things worked during the time of Abram. If a man wanted a particular woman for a wife, or if his parents wanted her for a daughter-in-law, then they would talk to her father and come up with an amount of money and land and animals or whatever they were willing to pay for her. And they would make an agreement. Her father or uncle or brother, depending on who was taking care of her, would get the money and there would be a covenant between the families a legal agreement between themselves and their gods, and the couple would get married. I know it's a lot different than what we do now, right? Well, not entirely. The covenant they would make between the families was 100% as legal as getting a marriage license today. And if her husband divorced her and sent her away, he had to send her away with a lot of money. Someone who was poor couldn't usually afford to get divorced. As they entered Egypt, Sarai must have been pretty scared and would have tried not to be seen. But when they entered the borders of the land and they met Pharaoh's officers, the people who ran things for him, 
They must have caught sight of her and they obviously thought that she was incredibly beautiful and, according to Abram, unmarried. I guess word got out pretty quick. And when you're the king of the most powerful nation in the world, you can have whoever you want for a wife and when there's a beautiful unmarried woman walking around out there and everyone's talking about her, that's exactly who Pharaoh is going to want to add to his wives. In the ancient world, kings would have more than one wife for a lot of reasons. Most wives gave them alliances with other countries, which means they wouldn't attack each other because the king of a smaller country would give his daughter to the more powerful king and they would become relatives. They'd become family. But sometimes, like Solomon and Ahasuerus, they just wanted all the beautiful women for themselves. And they could have like hundreds of wives. And just think about how many kids they'd have. They wouldn't even know all their kids. But for them, it was all about being powerful and having a lot of stuff and making everyone really impressed and jealous. Sarai would have been worried. She really was Abram's wife and had been for almost all of her life, but she couldn't have any babies. And she probably couldn't speak Egyptian either since she was originally from Ur. The officers probably would have just taken her so that Pharaoh could see her, and she probably figured that this was the last time she would ever see her family. Pharaoh must have been very impressed with how beautiful she was because he paid a lot of money for her. Although, you know that they didn't usually do things with money in those days. Instead, what he gave Abram was better than money. The Bible says that Pharaoh gave him flocks, which means sheep and goats and herds, which means cows and bulls and donkeys, which were very useful for riding and carrying things, slaves and camels. And camels was like someone giving you a whole bunch of fancy cars. And if God didn't love Sarai very much, and if he didn't have amazing plans for her, she might have been in Egypt forever. But you know what? We're going to see that God does love women just as much as he loves men even though the men didn't believe that was true in the ancient world. Here's another thing God had to fix. And God has no plans to leave Sarai in the household of Pharaoh. What Sarai is going through is just terrible. But God isn't being treated very well either. God made Abram a lot of amazing promises, and Abram trusted God enough to leave his family and his land and to follow wherever God led him. But somehow Abram thinks that the Egyptians are more powerful than God. He's acting like the Egyptians can kill him if they want to, and that God can't do anything about it. But we all know something that Abram doesn't. That all the kings and soldiers and gods of Egypt are nothing compared to our God. They can't lay a finger on Abram if God wants to keep him alive. But Abram doesn't know God well enough yet to trust him with his life. Abram doesn't trust God enough to deal with the famine or with his fear of dying. Now, does God send a lightning bolt and kill Abram? Nope. God is very patient and understand because he knows that we're all pretty much messed up and that we have to learn to love and trust him 
And that isn't something we can just snap our fingers and be able to do. Abram had grown up with gods all his life who couldn't be trusted at all. And it's going to take a long time for God to show Abram how entirely different he is. I know all this can be frustrating and make us really mad because back then they were really irritating about how they thought about women and how they had slaves and all that. But we have to think about the fact that God saw all this going on and he knew he had to do something to change it. God wouldn't have bothered if he liked the way Abram was doing things. There were things about Abram that he liked and other things he didn't like, but he knew that he was going to have to change one man before he started changing the world. So you know what? It's okay that there are things about Abram that we do and don't like. We have to remember that he grew up in a terrible place at a terrible time, and what was normal to them is really messed up to us because Jesus really changed the world, and they changed the way that People saw God. God's always been the same. But Jesus gave us face-to-face way to see, oh, that's what God's like. So we can love Abram anyway and respect how faithful he was to God overall and how he changed. And even more than that, we can be amazed at how faithful God was to Abram and how understanding he must be and how God rescues Abram and Sarai over and over again when they make the mistake of not trusting him. And this is one of those times. Now, we don't have any details, but at some point after Pharaoh took Sarai and he paid Abram for her, God sent plagues on Pharaoh and all of his household. Do you know what a plague is? In Exodus, God sent 10 plagues on Egypt when Pharaoh was holding the children of Israel as slaves. He sent awful things like houses full of frogs who would even jump into the oven in their beds and painful sores on their bodies and a river full of blood, all to let Pharaoh know that his puny gods couldn't protect him and that God was serious about Pharaoh letting his people go. And the plagues hurt everyone because they were all benefiting from the Israelites being enslaved. Egypt was becoming more and more powerful because of slavery. And so when God liberated the slaves, everyone had to know how wrong it was. And everyone needed to know that our God is a God who rescues people and sets them free. That's what the book of Exodus is all about. That's what Jesus is all about, too. So all of a sudden there is outright chaos in the palace of Pharaoh. When things go crazy and there is nothing we can do to fix them, it's called chaos. Pharaoh couldn't make things better and neither could his priests nor his gods. Everything was going haywire and Pharaoh had to figure out why. And evidently whatever he did, it worked. Somehow, Pharaoh figured out that Sarai wasn't just Abram's sister after all. And Pharaoh sent for Abram and called him to the palace. And he yelled at Abram. Pharaoh wasn't used to being lied to. I mean, usually no one dared because they thought he was a living God. Of all people, a foreigner, he tricked him. Pharaoh looked very foolish in front of 
everyone. He yelled, what have you done to me? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why'd you say she's my sister so that I took her as a wife? Now, here is your wife. Take her and get out. And you know what? Abram doesn't say nothing to Pharaoh. Maybe Abram realized that he had no excuse for what he did. Maybe he was just relieved that Pharaoh wasn't going to strike him dead. Maybe he was laughing to himself because God had protected him and he was escaping with his wife and with everything he had, plus all the stuff that Pharaoh had given him. He was an incredibly rich man now. But what the Bible is really telling us is that right now, Pharaoh, who's an idol worshiper, is more righteous than Abram is. Yes, he took Sarai, but in those days, a king would have seen nothing wrong with that. He made sure that she wasn't already married, which was good. He gave Abram a lot of money for her, so in his own eyes, he hadn't stolen her or treated Abram unfairly. He was following the rules of the ancient world and was acting honorably. I mean, really, from his point of view, he did everything right. He was honest. He didn't steal her. And when he figured out that he had accidentally done wrong, he gave her back and let Abram keep everything he'd given him already. God punished Pharaoh, but only so that he would release Sarai. Pharaoh knew he'd done something wrong, and so he figured out what it was and fixed it. So Abram and Sarai left Egypt with everything they'd been given by Pharaoh. And Pharaoh told his officers to make sure they left. Pharaoh was smart enough to know that if his household got into that much trouble for just taking Sarai as his wife, that way worse would definitely happen to him if he killed them. Pharaoh comes out of this looking better than Abram. Sometimes Abram is a hero and a good example to us, but not this time. We might ask ourselves, why didn't Abram just tell the truth? Well, if you've gone through my honor and shame curriculum, you know the answer to that. In a culture like Abram lived in, people had two sets of rules for when to tell the truth and when to lie. There were no Ten Commandments yet. God was just still taking baby steps with Abram. In an honor-shame culture where people are more concerned with their reputations and their status than behaving themselves and acting virtuously, they believed that only people in their family deserved to be told the truth and that it was honorable and clever and okay to lie to everyone else and to trick them. The Bible tells us that this isn't ever okay, that we need to be honest because we shame God when people figure out that they can't trust us. Abram lied because he was scared of dying and because he knew that things would go really well for him if someone else wanted to marry Sarai. So he didn't see anything wrong with lying to an Egyptian just so long as good things happened for him as a result. Things were a lot different before Jesus. Never forget that. But they were also really different before God gathered the Israelites around Mount Sinai. God keeps changing the world for the better. This brings up an important question that people have been asking forever. Is it ever okay to lie or is it always wrong? And that's a question that can seem really easy until we start asking the hard questions. There are going to be situations where it is always wrong to lie. Like when we've done something wrong 
and just don't want to get into trouble. Cheating on a test is another form of lying, and that's wrong too. When we lie so that we don't have to face the consequences of our bad actions, or so that someone else will suffer instead, or to trick someone so that we will get good things that we haven't earned, that's always wrong. Almost all the lies we tell are totally wrong. But what about the Christians during World War II who hid Jewish people from the Nazis who wanted to torture and kill them? Would it have been okay for them when the Nazis came to the door and asked if there were any Jews there for the Christians to tell the truth and to let them die? That's a much harder question to answer. Asking those kind of questions is what ethics is all about. The study of ethics is about how we figure out what is good and what is bad in a specific situation. Ethics is about being wise instead of being foolish. A wise person knows when they have to act in such a way as to protect someone who is innocent from someone who is evil. But they also know that protecting someone who is guilty is wrong. Life isn't easy. It's very complicated. I think we would all feel very differently about what Abram had done if he had lied to protect her and not himself. But whenever we lie to protect ourselves in such a way that it hurts somebody else, we kind of have to ask ourselves why we think we're more important than the person who's getting hurt to keep us safe, right? That's hard when we're really scared. But part of learning how to love other people is about their lives being important to us and even more important than our own lives. God tells us in Leviticus 19.18 that we must love our neighbors as ourselves. And Jesus says that our neighbors are everyone because we're supposed to be their good neighbor. Because of this, a lie that will hurt someone who is innocent in any way is always going to be wrong. We can't let other people suffer for the bad things that we do. And I know people say, eh, it's no big deal. But it's always a big deal when we get in trouble for something that someone else does. So that means it's always a big deal when someone else gets in trouble for something that we or someone we like has done. That's what loving your neighbor as yourself means. If anything would be horrible for you if it happened, then you can't do it to someone else. I don't think Abram would have liked to trade places with Sarai and be taken by a king and have no choice in the matter. Also, no one would want to be lied to like what happened to Pharaoh. You wouldn't want a stranger to lie to you just because they assume you can't be trusted, but that's what Abram did. He decided that Pharaoh would do the wrong thing, and he didn't even give him the chance to do what is right. Plus, he didn't give God the chance to protect him either. It's important for us to be truthful people. People should always be able to trust us because if we say we follow and love God but are always tricking people to protect ourselves and hurting others, then they will think terrible things about God. Jesus said that our yeses should mean yes and our noes should mean no. If honest people can't trust us, then that's a huge problem. So right now is a really low point for Abram. He looks really bad. Sarai's probably really angry with him. And he has shown that he has a weak spot. He doesn't trust God enough to know that all those promises means that God won't let him die until he's kept them. 
But God did come through, and he protected Sarai. Throughout his life, Abram will come to understand that God will protect him, Sarai, and his children as well. Many years from now, Abram will prove that he finally trusts God completely, but not today. Today, he's still really scared, and when Abram is scared, he makes some really bad choices. We do too, right? We aren't so different. And throughout the whole Bible, we will see times when prophets and priests and kings make very bad choices because they don't really believe what God has said to them. But because God has made promises, he rescues them. That's who he is. He's a God who rescues people. In fact, he's been trying to rescue the whole world since Adam and Eve got booted from the garden. We don't even know how often he's rescued us and especially from our own mistakes. Of course, Jesus is God's ultimate rescue plan for us. And we can think of ourselves as being like Sarai, trapped in Pharaoh's palace when we didn't even want to be there because someone else didn't trust God. And that's everyone's problem since Adam and Eve trusted the serpent instead of God. We were taken captive by sin and death, locked up and unable to escape just like a prisoner in Pharaoh's palace. Instead of eating from the tree of life and living forever and never being hurt by anyone, we will die someday. And people will hurt us, and we're going to hurt people too. And God could have left us like that. He could have left Sarai with Pharaoh too and gotten a new wife for Abram who could have babies. But he is a rescuer who loved Sarai and who loves us. He didn't want us locked away in a palace of evil. He wanted us to be free. Abram is actually a first step in that direction because this is where God's plan to save humans really begins. Did you know that the Bible compares God to a husband and compares all of us who believe in him to his wife? It doesn't mean that he's actually our husband and that we're actually his wives, but it does give us a picture of how serious he is about saving us. Just like he saved Sarai. In the Bible, a prophet named Hosea was told to marry a woman who was very sinful. And Hosea was told to be very good to her and loyal to her, even though she did a lot of bad stuff to him. You see, God wanted us to look at Hosea's relationship with his wife as messed up as she was and how good he was to her so that we would understand that God is absolutely that loving and patient with us. In the end, Hosea's wife had gotten into such terrible trouble that she had to be rescued. And Hosea did rescue her, even though she didn't deserve it. Our own Hosea is named Jesus, of course. And he never stops trying to rescue us no matter what we do. He can't force us to love him or to trust him, but he's always there ready to rescue us when we finally do. All Jesus wants, just like Hosea, is for us to give him our allegiance our absolute loyalty. That means we choose him before anyone else. He doesn't just want us to believe he's real, because that doesn't mean anything. What is most important is that we believe that he is who he says he is, the Son of God, and that when they killed him, he was innocent, and that he rose from the dead because there was absolutely no sin in him, so that nasty Satan wasn't able to keep him dead. Because of that, He deserves our allegiance, our loyalty. He deserves to be treated like our very real king, because he is. 
and he deserves to have us believe everything that he ever said and did, and to follow him and imitate his life so that we can become just like him and stop being like that tricky serpent who was a liar. Just as God wanted loyalty and trust from Abram and was willing to wait patiently for it, even when Abram really messed up a lot, that's the same thing that Jesus wants. He wants us to trust God entirely and to trust him as well because God sent him to rescue us and he shows us who God is. When we trust him, we begin to change more and more to be like him and less like that serpent. That's a very wonderful thing. I love you. I'm praying for you. And I want you to really think about what happens to other people when you lie and what happens to you when other people lie and how important it is that we trust God enough to tell the truth about the bad things we have done.